have your seats a minute hallelujah this morning we have a very special guest and I didn't announce it and I'm, I'm sure you saw it on Facebook um, is not a guest really is a very integral part of our family since community church and this is his first time not in our church but at the believers convention it took it took prayer and fasting to get him and uh, he's been gotten to be at this conference and this convention and over the past years of relating with him it's been a huge blessing to our church and our ministry and myself personally <clears throat> he's not just a preacher he's an elder he's not just an elder he's a role model he's not just a role model he's a leader and someone from whom I draw a lot of inspiration, encouragement with with a minus that minus is he gave me his word that he will be a gunner he's yet to publicly and, and I, I think this is where he should do it I've been interceding supplicating <laughs> and very importantly is the fact that there is no human being that has singularly contributed to our ministry like he has. Outside of us, there's no human being, not one, that has singularly contributed to our ministry like he has. And Saints Community is forever grateful for a wonderful relationship we have had with him and we trust God will keep having to the end of time i must say publicly that we have been on his tv station six years without paying a dime every day who does that <laughs> but dr abel damina church community church welcome the senior pastor of power city international churches dr abel damina Rejoice for 30 seconds in this house this morning. Whoa! Amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice and we thank you for this another opportunity to fellowship in the truth that is in Christ. Revelation knowledge is gifted us. Your word comes with clarity. And we rejoice that by the end of this session, we'll all be the better for it. 
So we give you praise and glory for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Please, you can be seated with your sweet, smart self this morning. I want to quickly begin by appreciating and honoring pastors Chris and Lola Onayinka for what they do for the body of Christ. You know, um, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's right. You know, um, sometimes I want to say things about Pastor Chris. It's like I don't even have the right verbiage or adjective or, you know, what to use. But I really want to honor him this morning. He's been one man who has been dogged, committed, consistent to the gospel of Christ. And our relationship has gone, you know, beyond friendship. We're family. That's the truth. We're family. You know, um, he said, I have contributed to this ministry, but he doesn't know how much he has contributed to our own ministry too. You know, so much. You've contributed so much to our ministry. And um, I believe that when we see Jesus, you will have too many rewards too many thank you again thank you for your heart thank you for your love thank you for all that we enjoy from you amen and your blessing sends community church to have such a pure heart such a great man and such a shepherd over you can i have a powerful amen please you can be seated it's so good to see prophet gilbert here good to see you Praise God. And thank you for inviting me this morning, you know. You know, and I'm happy to be here. Praise God. All right, let's get in the word this morning. Um, Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Jesus rose from the dead on the way to Emmaus and met these disciples. And they were discussing about the events of the past three days. And they were saying, well, they thought Jesus was coming to deliver them from the oppression. They thought he was going to be the one to bring back to them political relevance and political power. And while they were discussing, some of them said, and to make matters worse, some women came who said they can't find his body. Jesus turned and said to them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, destination, the things concerning himself. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 and 4, brother Paul speaking to the church at Corinth said to them, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures brother paul communicating the same thoughts in romans chapter 4 verse 25 said who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification so god by G by by the death of christ honored us with the gift of salvation by grace 
And along with the honor of salvation has come the honor of ministry. The greatest honor that God can put on any man after that man is saved is the honor to be a custodian and a steward of the mysteries of God. A custodian and a steward of the mysteries of God. It's an honor to preach the gospel. It's an honor to deliver the good news of what took the life of Christ. What took God literally his life. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Committed to imperfect men to preach to a world that he died for. What an honor. What a blessing. And this morning I'm going to be talking about the defense of this gospel. Because we live in very trying times. We live in very hostile times. We live in times where the message of Christ, you know, has been literally messed up by people who are not well trained and well schooled. And by people who have come into the ministry with ulterior motives. By people who are in the ministry but don't even know what they are in the ministry for. And they are making the work of ministry a lot more difficult than it should have been. Because there is a communication they are communicating out there that contradicts the mind, the plan, the intent, and the design of God. Therefore, there is the need to defend the integrity, the sanctity, and the sacredness, and the fidelity of God's word. In the book of First Peter, chapter 3, verse 15, Brother Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that accept you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This context is where we get the word apologia from. Apologia or apologetics. A reason or a defense. A reason or a defense. In defending the reason of the hope that is in you, number one, you must know what you believe. You must know what you believe. Number two, you must know why you believe what you believe. And then number three, you must be able to communicate what you believe in a winsome manner. You must be able to communicate what you believe in a persuasive manner. You may be, must be able to communicate what you believe beyond every shadow of doubt. Now when Peter began to talk about the defense of the gospel... Before he got into the defense of the gospel, he begins by telling us who we are because of what Christ has done. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse number 9 to 10. Brother Peter says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So we have indicatives and we have imperatives. We see what Christ has done on our behalf. And then we also see what we are supposed to do in response to what Christ has done on our behalf. Then right after establishing that, 
Brother Peter begins a discussion on suffering. After establishing what Christ has done for us and what we're supposed to do in response to what Christ has done for our world, Brother Peter begins to discuss suffering. In verse 13 of that chapter, Brother Peter talks about unjust government in verse 13. In verse 18 of that same chapter, Brother Peter begins to talk about servants be subject to your masters, unjust masters. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse number 1, Brother Peter talks to wives, wives that are suffering because they are submitted to unrighteous husbands. Then he comes back to the general. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse number 8, Brother Peter now begins to talk to all of us. He said, finally, be ye all. And then he began to talk about how we suffer and how we endure. He talked about the fact that we are set apart as a royal priesthood. And the suffering that we endure in general ways. The suffering that we endure in general ways. And of course, the sufferings that we endure in particular ways, depending on our circumstances. And it was in the midst of these sufferings that Brother Peter was describing as a result of your faith in Christ, and as a result of your accepting the mandate to preach this gospel of Christ, which has saved you so that others can be saved. It was in the midst of that that Peter sandwiched you know the defense of the gospel it was in the midst of suffering suffering before suffering after in between he began to talk about the defense of the gospel now in first peter chapter 3 verse number 13 in verse 13 brother peter said and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good in verse 14 he said but and if you suffer for righteousness sake happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled then now in verse 15 he now said but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that accept you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear so peter is talking about our personal consecration our personal consecration to the assignment some years ago when i transitioned from preaching the materialistic gospel when i transitioned from preaching the mixture the gospel of law and grace you know something funny happened pastor chris one one of the guys that <laughs> looks up to me said this grace is very sweet i preach grace but when i discover that the people are becoming too free i use a little law to tie them <laughs> you know and i said to him that's destructive because a little living living at the whole lump you don't have to have the holy spirit you have to have confidence in god's word now when i transitioned from that gospel to the gospel of christ i began to lose relationships I began to lose friends people have been in ministry with for 30 years 35 years they began to turn their backs on me and the first question i asked myself is have i committed sin 
What have I done? Why am I losing relationships? My friends, these are guys that we hang out together. These are guys that we eat together with and discuss life. I began to lose all of these relationships. In our church, the people who were part of the first message I preached, when I transitioned, half of the church left. And it's like something has happened to me that I couldn't explain. So I went before the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, have I done something wrong? I need you to talk to me. What have I done that is wrong? I'm losing everybody. And then the Lord said to me, the gospel that is truly preached, the gospel of Christ, the message itself is consecration. The message itself is consecration. The moment you start preaching the message, the truth of the gospel of Christ, you don't need to offend anybody. You don't need to be in anybody's face. That message itself is an offense. The gospel of Christ is an offense. The Bible tells us it is foolishness to those that perish, but to us that are saved is the power of God. So you can imagine yourself preaching what sounds foolish to your hearers. You can imagine yourself preaching what does not make sense. And then all of a sudden, my friends began to say to me, it's like you don't understand. It's like you don't understand. You're going to lose more relationships. You're going to lose so much money. Because the materialistic gospel is about money. The materialistic gospel is focused on money. And they were advising me and telling me, you're going to go through a very hard time. You're going to go through a very tough time. But I remembered what the Lord told me. The message itself is consecration. It's an offense. It's a stumbling block to those that perish. But within that is the power of God to save. Now, so brother Peter is telling you that when you embrace the truth of the gospel, when you are sold out to the preaching of the gospel, which is actually the focus of Saints Community Church, raising ministers of the gospel who will take this light to the nations of the world, who will take this light to our communities, who will take this light out there, you must know that you have engaged yourself in a fight. Ministry is a fight. If you are not ready to fight, then you are not ready for ministry. Ministry is not just a fight for few months. It's a lifetime fight. Brother Paul will say, I have fought a good fight. That means all his life and ministry, he fought till the last day. You must be ready to fight and sustain the fight. The fight of staying with the truth. Irrespective and in spite of challenges, persecution and opposing and contradicting circumstances. So Peter begins to prepare us that once you embrace the truth of Christ, you must be ready to offer an answer of the hope that is in you. So he begins to talk about the fact that we are called and we are separated to a consecrated life. The context, therefore, of the defense of the gospel of Christ, he summarizes that context as suffering. He summarizes the context. If you're going to preach the gospel, if you're going to bring the truth of Christ, Peter says, get ready to suffer. Because from what Peter is communicating to us in scripture, preaching the gospel of Christ will attract suffering to the preacher of the gospel. 
So apologetics therefore Or the defense of the gospel of Christ Is not feeling cool It's not feeling nice It's a fight It's a fight How we suffer As a result of our consecration You lose friends sometimes Like I just told you You lose money You lose relationships Your reputation is at stake And you could be ridiculed I remember before The Lord brought me and Pastor Chris together Some guys are met in Lagos Preachers of the gospel They said to me This truth you are preaching about Christ There are some guys in this Lagos They've been preaching it And they're very deep Deep That's how he emphasized it They're very deep And he thought he would scare me with that So I said to him Who are these guys He did uh, When I remember the name I will tell you You know these guys They are very deep And you have forgotten the names Then after a while, he discovered that Pastor Chris and myself are in fellowship. And this man of God got angry. He just got angry. I said to him, why are you angry? He said, how did you and Pastor Chris start relating and you didn't tell me? So I now said to him, is he the guys that are very deep? <laughs> That was the end of our relationship. Just that Pastor Chris and myself are relating. He cut me off. Nothing. I didn't collect his money. I didn't take a member of his church. Nothing. Just that we're relating. He cut me off. I started suffering from that direction. And he went and told other people And also cut off some people from me The suffering increased I didn't say anything Just for relating Nothing So I said okay And then one of the people that he told That they should try and persuade me That this our relationship should not stand The person came to me and said Well I hear that you and Pastor Chris now have connected It's just two of you uh, Blah 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 He said I don't want I don't want you guys to relate I said why He said no reason I just don't like the relationship <sighs> What has Pastor Chris done to you He said nothing I just don't like the relationship I feel one kind about two of you coming together You know when Jesus showed up Unclean spirits started crying out Without Jesus saying anything. They just start jumping out of people. And it is even the unclean spirits that announce themselves when Jesus shows up. Jesus, son of David, have you come to destroy us? Who spoke to you? Nobody. Who called your name? Nobody. You expose yourself by yourself. 
Unclean spirits cannot stand healthy, godly relationships. They can't stand it because it's a threat to their kingdom. It's a threat to their operation. And that will bring suffering. You may be here this morning and you're going through things you can't explain. And it's like something strange has happened to you. And you don't know why things are just happening the way they are happening. Peter is telling you, get ready. If you're going to stay with the gospel and you're going to preach the truth of the gospel. Suffering before, suffering after is all suffering. And if you don't want to suffer, then forget ministry. If you don't want to fight, then you're not ready for this journey. Jesus said no man puts his hands on the plow and looks back. He that looks back, talking about ministry, is not worthy of me. But we are not of there that look back. We are of there that press forward to the saving of the soul. I thought somebody would shout glory in this building. The suffering is born because of our devotion to Christ. Because of our devotion. That is what is attracting the suffering. Our devotion to Christ. The reference of 1 Peter 3.15 where we read, Brother Peter got that reference from Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13. And the context is the Assyrians. The Assyrians are coming and then they are told not to fear them but fear God. Don't fear the Assyrians, fear God. So brother Peter, before he gives us the verse, where we got the term apologetics or defense, makes reference to to Isaiah. Where he tells them, fear not the Assyrian army, fear God. Do not look to them, look to God. So in the midst of your suffering, don't fear those that are persecuting you fear God don't appease them don't try to compromise don't look for a way to meet hold fast and endure as a good soldier of Jesus Christ endure hardship for no man that warred entangled himself with the affairs of this world that he may please him that has chosen him to be a soldier don't give your grounds hold your grounds because your goal in apologetics your goal in preaching the truth of the gospel is to honor christ the one who died the one who gave his life a ransom for many and if you maintain your grounds that suffering becomes an honor that suffering becomes a sweet sacrifice that suffering becomes your devotion that suffering becomes your worship to jesus christ the one who has called you a soldier an ambassador of the gospel a representative of his kingdom Remember, you are in this world, but not of this world. The world will celebrate their own. The world will love their own. But they will not celebrate you. They will not love you. And so if the praises of men means much to you, then you are not ready for the gospel. If the praises of men means much to you, then you are not ready for the gospel. You must die to the praises of men. Because... Both praises and criticism are all a distraction. You must stay focused, focused, devoted, dedicated to the, to, to the message 
and to the one who has called you to preach the gospel. So brother Peter is now telling them, he said to them, there is this consecration that sets us apart because we are treated as strangers. So we suffer, we are persecuted because we don't belong to them. And as we suffer and are persecuted, our personal consecration reminds us that this is about our devotion to Christ. Then he adds that in the midst of the suffering, an explanation will be required. In the midst of the suffering, an explanation will be required. We don't just suffer in silence. We explain why. We don't just receive persecution in silence. We explain why. And this explanation is what causes us suffering and persecution. So we're persecuted. We are suffering. We explain more. And then it brings more persecution, more suffering. We explain louder. We don't relent. We don't take a break. We push on head on. Darkness will always give way to light. Light never bows before darkness. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Everywhere you walk into spraying the fragrance of Jesus, shining the light, darkness dispels. So in the midst of the persecution, our consecration is fired up. Our hearts are purified. And our focus is unabated. Our eyes are on the goal. Our eyes are on the ball. We are not distracted. We will not keep quiet. We will not keep silent. The more they persecute us, the louder our voice gets. Glory to God. I said glory to God. The explanation brings suffering. Our consecration to God sets us apart as strangers and aliens. Then in the midst he says, honor Christ as Lord. Don't look at the Syrians coming. Keep your eyes on him. Do not compromise. Then he said, explain your personal holiness in the least offensive manner. Explain your personal holiness in the least offensive manner so that you can reduce the likelihood of more suffering explain it in the least offensive manner now let's backtrack a bit that same first peter chapter 1 verse 3 first peter chapter 1 verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, 
ready to be revealed in the last time wherein you greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory that is the hope that brother Peter is referring to he says we are going to give an answer we're going to give an apologia. The idea here is like a lawyer giving a defense. Jude said it's a combat. Contend for the faith. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered unto you. Contend is a combat. It's a combat because you are engaging age-long ideologies. You are engaging mindsets that have been for years. You are engaging belief systems. You are engaging what some people have lived on all their lives. You know some people, their God is their creation. Because he only exists in their mind. And that God in their mind has served them. They inherited that God from their mother and their father. And they have lived with that God that only exists in their mind. And then you bring the gospel that contradicts that reality in their mind. So there's a fight. There's a fight. Some may not take it nice. Some may not take it lightly. But you must be so persuaded about what you are speaking that you also are not ready to give up. You're not ready to give in because you know that what you are bringing is what they need. That's why there's a fight. That's why there's a combat. That's why you contend. When you give a defense, you give the information in a winsome manner. And that's why you belong to Saints Community Church where you have a true laborer in word and doctrine. A man who lives all his life, all his life, literally raising men, equipping men, building men, bringing the truth of Christ, bringing realities to you, helping you not just to believe, but to be able to explain what you believe in a winsome manner there is hope for this generation oh yes there is hope for this generation there is hope for our children that are still coming there is hope for them that useless shade of gospel that some of us embraced years ago our children will not have to taste it oh your amen is still looking for how to come forth i said our children will not have to taste that gospel from the moment they are born, they will hear nothing but the truth of Christ. Oh, glory to God. And it's going to go from nation to nation all over Africa, 
all over the continent of Africa, God is raising men, and right in this house, God is going to send men to the nations. And this gospel shall be preached. And it shall be preached in truth. It shall be preached in power. Somebody is not shouting amen. Say with me very loud, I am a light to the nations. I am persuaded. And I am carrying this message to the ends of the earth. I didn't hear your amen. Please, you can be seated. Let's push it a little more. The passion here is to win souls. Somebody was speaking to me some time back. And the person said to me, Dr. Damina, is the gospel not good news? The gospel is good news. But why is it that sometimes when you preach, it's supposed to be good news. It creates controversy. Then the person said, Dr. Damina, it's like you like controversy. I said, the message itself is controversial. To a mind that has been unschooled. Jesus was called controversial. When we talk about the defense of the gospel, you know, some of us just want to be nice. You want to pamper a sinner and make him feel nice. No. You don't pamper them. You confront them. You bring the truth to their, to their faces. Do not be afraid of their faces. Put the truth in their faces because it is only the truth that sets free. And I said to the person, the gospel is good news, but it's also an offense. It's good news, but it's also an offense. In fact, to some people, the gospel is a stumbling block, but it's good news. But to us that are saved, what looks like a stumbling block is the power of God. To us that are saved, what looks like a stumbling block is joy. Joy unspeakable. Yeah, joy. That's what it is to us. And not just joy, but joy unspeakable. Joy that words cannot describe. Only shouts can describe it. Joy! 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 Yeah, when we receive the gospel, it produces joy on our inside. Glory to God. Glory to God. Please, you can be seated. Let's go a little more. This is apologetics. The passion for defending the gospel is to win souls. You cannot win souls by a mixed message. You cannot win souls by a, by, by a message that is mixed with truth and lies. You can only win souls by putting the truth no matter how hard, no matter how offensive it may sound. It is only that truth that sets free there's no other way there's no better way to bring men to the knowledge of Christ there's no other way to bring men to the saving grace of Christ glory to God other than the truth of the gospel you know apologetics or the defense of the gospel is not arrogant grandstanding 
This goes to the heart of who we are. A people set apart for God. We will look at it in details in a few seconds. You must know what you believe. You must know why you believe it. And you must be able to communicate it in a winsome manner. And the implication of that is that it tells about our consecration and our study. Our consecration and our study of God's word is what plays out in we communicating what we believe, why we believe it. It tells of how consecrated we are. It tells of how devoted we are to Bible teaching, to Bible study. It tells of how devoted we are to a life of prayer. A life of, you know, waiting on the Lord. A life of staying before the Lord. So when you come out fully armed and fully equipped, and you open your mouth, the life of God flows. And men can see the truth and be delivered from darkness to light. It's a reflection of our consecration. The message we preach is a reflection of our devotion, our prayer life, and our Bible study life. All put together is what is communicated when you preach. That's why you cannot, you cannot, you cannot be with everybody and be everywhere and still have consecration. You can't be too busy and have consecration. You must have moments like this where we are in this camp just sitting under the world learning growing praying listening receiving instructions direction ladies and gentlemen listen carefully ministry is not four years ministry is not five years ministry is not 20 years ministry is not 30 years you keep saying the same thing for 10 years. You keep saying the same thing for 20 years. You keep saying the same thing for 50 years. If you stay longer, 70 years of your life, you're saying the same thing. You must be persuaded. You must be devoted. You must be consecrated to keep saying the same thing in and out of season. When it's favorable, when it's not favorable, you're not shifting grounds. You're not changing grounds. You must. I've been in ministry for a few days now. In two, three years, I'll be 40 years preaching. I know what I'm talking about. You must be so persuaded about the, 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 the gospel, about the message, for you to be found saying the same thing 20 years after now. Oh yeah, you can say the same thing for two, three years and be excited. After a while, the excitement dies. No more excitement. No more. After a while, it's boring. You're bored. And when you're bored, that's when you really begin. And then you stay there. You stay there. Till the boredom disappears. And now you're not just excited. But you're having pleasure in teaching it not out of excitement but because you know the power that it delivers yeah you stay in it you stay in it yes 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 oh yes listen 
ministry will bring its own challenges. And not just its own challenges, life will also bring its own challenges. So you have life challenges, you have ministerial challenges, and then persecution. <laughs> life will challenge you. That you're a minister of the gospel. That you're a child of God doesn't mean that you will not have challenges of life. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. Men go through things. You go through it not because you are a bad person. You go through it because you are a man, you are a human. So there's that dimension. And then of course, ministry has its own challenges. It has its own turbulence. And if you are married, marriage has its own. Marriage will bring its own. And when you start having children, children will bring their own. All over you will be all kinds of cares and things. And in the midst of it, you stand tall, saying the same thing, preaching the same thing. In the midst of it, it looks like nothing is happening. When people look at you, they see the refreshing, they see the life, they see God flowing through you. You're going through, but it's not showing. Because what you are carrying is more real to you than the circumstances you're going through. After a while, you're out of that face. And then you enjoy it again and another face opens up. You stay in it and keep preaching the gospel. No compromise. No compromise. No shifting grounds. Some of the preachers who transition along with me because they used to look up to me. They've joined me in transitioning. Say yes. This message is a message. Yes. We don't know what we are preaching before. What was that rubbish we were speaking before? This is the real message. Three months. Five months. One year. This is the real message. Yeah. This is the real message. Two years. No voice. And then some of them have gone back. I say tithing was not New Testament. But you have to tithe because... They began to recount the things they have taught their churches. Why? They are not persuaded. They just went because I went. Brother Shambach said, God called some others just went. <laughs> they just transitioned because, and some of them came in because they thought it was a move, a wave. It's a wave. A wave. I remember years ago, some of the people in Nigeria, some of the big churches in Nigeria invited me because they thought it was a wave. And when I got on their pulpit and I blasted the word, they said, no more, this man is not coming here again. This man is a suspect. The things he's saying, mm -mm, mm -mm. Some of them could only maintain me once. Some of them twice. Some of them stood from afar <laughs> and walked away. But we're here. And guys, we're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> we are going to be here for a very long time. So if they are tired of us, they better get ready because we are just beginning. Yeah, and age is on our side. We have many years to preach the gospel of Christ. Somebody's not shouting glory. Sit down, give me a few more minutes and I'll soon be rounding off. Glory to God. 
Now listen to this. Our personal consecration shapes our explanation of the gospel. Our personal consecration shapes our it shapes how we explain the gospel. Don't forget, we're not talking about you believing the gospel. We've gone far beyond that. We're talking about now you being able to present it in a winsome manner. Your personal consecration, your times of prayer, your times of Bible study, your times of spending time in living world media. It shapes your personal consecration. Oh yes. The times you spend meditating, the times you spend chewing on the word. When you open your mouth to speak, it will reflect. So if you want to effectively defend the gospel, you must be given to a life of continuous consecration. The songwriter said, take my hands and let them be. Take my voice, take my ears, take my mind. Use it for your glory. Take my intellect and use. Take my moments and my days. Take everything. I and all that I am, I'm yours. Use it whichever way you want and which, whichever and which any way you want to use it. I'm all yours, Lord. I wouldn't have been if not for you. I'm all yours. Everything I have is yours. I belong to you. My hands, my legs, my strength is yours. It's all yours. Oh, yes. My wife says to me, every time you go on the pulpit, I see energy that I don't see in the house. What is the matter? How can we convert that pulpit energy to the house so we can have some good playing time? I see that energy. Hmm. What produces it? You people don't have it in the house. <laughs> That's the reason why I was born. That's what I live for. That's what gives me joy. That's the reason why I live in this earth. And so when that moment comes, all of me comes alive. We preach this thing in and out of season. When we feel good and when we don't feel good, it's not about feeling. We are committed unto this. Brother Paul said, necessity is laid on me. And woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Glory to God. Please sit down. Let's push it a little more. So now, if it shapes how you explain the defense of the gospel, Brother Peter now says, so therefore you must do it with gentleness and respect. What is gentleness in this context? Gentleness, you know, we live in a world where humans don't like people who are blunt. They don't like people who are blunt. They don't like people who are straight. That's the world we live in. We live in a very hostile world. Much more in this social media era. Where people have developed skill in insult. It's like a calling. You just insult you, abuse you. Abuse your father to your great grandfather. Who they never met. They don't know who they are talking to. We live in a hostile environment. And to make matters worse, religion makes the environment double hostile. Double, double hostile. And you, religion makes people not even to have depth of thought. They hear you say something, they are not paying attention. 
they communicated their own way. A preacher went to Italy to preach for a church and one of my spiritual sons in Italy was in the meeting. And he said, the preacher said, don't mind Damina. In Italy, I'm not there, Minuyo. Don't mind Damina. In case you don't know who Damina is, he's one preacher in Nigeria. His name is Damina. <laughs> I love that, you know. It's called free advertisement. <laughs> Whenever people are insulting me, I am very happy. Because you know negative publicity flies faster than positive publicity. And the good thing about negative publicity is it provokes curiosity. So when you say Damina, you know, they have their phones. D-A-M-I-N-A. And I think I am the only Damina on social media. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. You can check it out. <laughs> Thank God my name is not John. <laughs> my name is not Smith. There are many of them. Damina. Where is that name coming from? <laughs> And then, don't mind Damina. He says there is nothing like heaven. Don't mind Damina. Me? <laughs> we live in a hostile world. And that's why you too must be unapologetic about the message. Unapologetic. You must be head on with the message. Don't forget. You're not dealing with persons. Don't forget, you're not dealing with individuals. Don't forget, your confrontation is with ideologies, mindsets, strongholds, contradicting messages. That's your focus. It seems like it's not Christ-like to confront but remember the person that has called us to this ministry when he walked the face of the earth for 33 and a half years looked at some people and said you generation of vipers whitewash sepulchre enter the temple chase them out out because they were selling and buying I think that was the materialistic gospel. Selling and buying. $10 for a breakthrough. Selling and buying. Tap into my anointing. You know, I was at the airport and somebody just ran to me and said, I want to tap it, I want to tap it. So he now gave me money. I say, it's not palm wine. Is it palm wine? It's not palm wine. Keep your money. It's not palm. If you came to tap, it's not palm wine. He's kneeling down with his money in the airport. I say, it's not palm wine. Keep your money. Because that's what he was taught. I was taught that too. If it's before. One time I told Pastor Philemon, who is here with me, I said, you have to be carrying offering basket around. 
as we are moving, when they start bringing you, just keep the basket. Because sometimes they will fill his hand with money. He'll be looking for where to put it. I say, next time, carry offering baskets. When we are coming to places like this, so when they are bringing you, just keep the basket. I was taught that shade of gospel and I preached it. You want my grace? You tap. You don't tap empty-handed. If you bring empty hand and you touch me by mistake, you die by correction. You have to tap substantially. <laughs> Jesus told them, out. My father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Not a palm wine tapping center. A house of prayer. That's the person whose message we're preaching to our world. Yeah. He never shifted grounds. They said he had a demon. They said he was possessed with Beelzebub. They said all manner of things against him. He stayed focused. And if he's your Lord and Master, what they did to him, they will do to you. That's where consecration comes in. Gentleness is not a lack of strength. Gentleness is not a lack of power. Gentleness is not a lack of passion. Gentleness is not a lack of persuasion. Gentleness is strength and power and passion under control. Strength and power and passion under control. So the fear and the reverence and the respect here is not fear of men, but the reverence of God, the love for God, the honor for God that influences how we communicate the truth of the gospel. First Peter 1:15 says, "Be ye holy." As he that has called you is holy in all manner of conversation. So our personal consecration, it shapes the way we preach the gospel. We are not arrogant. We are gentle. We are full of strength. We are full of power under the spirit's control. In First Peter chapter 1 verse 17 and 18, Peter says, if you call on the father... Who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. Pass the time of your sojourn here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed. With corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation. Received by tradition from your fathers. The beauty there is. Christ is shown to us as our example. Our example of gentleness. Our example of suffering rightly. Secondly, he is our example of hope. Why did Christ suffer? Because he had hope. That the father will raise him up on the third day. And bring many sons to glory. So it's because of who Christ is in us. That we are able to endure all things for the gospel. Because of who he is to us. We're able to endure. And in the endurance. We're able to smile. We're able to be nice. Even though we're enduring. And we're able to.
persevere. These same thoughts, brother Paul, will communicate to the church at Ephesus. For though, he says to them, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. He says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand. He's talking about the ministry. He's talking about the preaching of the gospel. He will tell the church at Corinth, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Bringing every thought under subjection. To the obedience of Christ. Those are the weapons we have. So put them on. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. You must remember. That in the midst of all the sufferings. There is the grace of God available. The grace of God is available. You have all of God's grace. You have all of God's ability. You have the comfort of the Holy Ghost. You have the supply of the Spirit. So what do you do? In the midst of that suffering, rise up and pull strength from inside. Pull strength from inside. Pull strength from inside. Spend time in prayer. I know that in Saints Community Church, we are taught to pray. We spend time praying practically. Yeah, spend time in prayer. Give yourself to prayer. The apostles say we will give ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. What prayer does for you is it builds resilience. What prayer does for you is it builds stamina. When you spend time, hours, I'm talking about hours in prayer. Four hours, five hours, six hours. You are building resilience. You are building a never give up strength. When you spend hours in prayer as part of your consecration to preach the gospel, you are building strength on the inside. You are taking from inside. You are wearing the strength of the Lord. You are wearing his ability. You are putting on all that you need to withstand. When you build stamina in prayer, one hour, two hours, three hours and you're tired you feel like stopping and you push another hour oh all of your body is crying out you push another hour you push when you begin to go through life and challenges begin to come that same resilience in prayer plays out so instead of things wearing you out, you wear them out. Yeah, because you're not a new kid in the block. You've been around. You've been building stamina. You've been building strength. Situations of life come. You stay in it until they wear out. You don't give up because you build strength. That's why Brother Jude will say, but ye beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, the amplified will say rising up higher and higher like an edifice higher and higher as you spend time in hours of prayer you're building strength you're building resilience you're building capacity you're building stamina you're building endurance 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 that will carry you through the journey it's not just prayer to get God to give to get things to happen for you prayer also helps you as a person 
The Bible talks about Jesus as he's pressed in prayer. The fashion of his countenance was altered. When you spend time in prayer, your weakness gives way to strength. Your inabilities give way to abilities. Yeah, your, your, your struggles give way to victory. As you spend time in prayer, all of a sudden, even your physical body begins to develop strength. Cowardice gives way to boldness. Yeah, as you spend time in prayer. And that prayer life is what comes to play when you begin to preach. When you begin to teach, the word comes out with power. The word comes out with strength. You are speaking, it looks like casual. But things are happening. Because in the place of prayer, you have built strength and stamina. Not only that, in the place of prayer, you generate power. Come on, Agar. You generate power. You make power available. You make power available that is dynamic in his workings. You make power available. And then after you have generated enough power, in the strength of that power, you go to preach. The power of God is all over the place. Because you made it available. You brought in a supply. You carried a supply. That's part of your consecration. And the reason for that consecration is so that you can be able to give every man an answer of the hope that is in you. I'm looking at men and women in this building. 50 years from now, you'll still be pushing. You'll still be pushing. 30 years from now, 25 years from now, 60 years from now, if Jesus tarries, you will still be running with the torch. You will still be running with the fire. You'll be running with the zeal. You will not wear out. They that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not be weary. I speak over you today. You will never be weary. You will never faint. You are strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Christ dwells in your heart by faith. Wherever you are hearing the sound of my voice, you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You are fruitful unto every good work. Ministry prospers in your hand. Nations are brought to the light because of you. Your mouth speaks the mysteries of Christ. Men see the light as you preach the gospel. I decree that signs and wonders accompany your ministry. As you stretch forth your hand to heal, the sick are healed. You have boldness. You have boldness. You have boldness. You have boldness. You will never retire. You will only refire. When they are waiting for you to pack up, you open another chapter of ministry. When they are waiting for you to surrender, then suddenly you rise again from another angle and you make the word of God more effective. In the name of Jesus. And we rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. With joy unspeakable, full of glory. Suffering, defense, suffering, you stay in the defense. Suffering, you stay in the defense. We never quit. Many years from now, Pastor Chris will look around and see all of you as giants in nations. Giants in nations. 
some of you will go and take over Saudi Arabia take over China take over Japan take over Africa preach the gospel like never before you will move into cities and close down the cities yeah 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 you will move into cities and close them down somebody shout yes yeah and the legacy of this ministry will live on and on and on and on 100 years 200 years 300 years because listen carefully the same way pastor chris is raising you up you'll be raising your children you'll be raising your children's 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 children and there will be a sustainability there will be a sustainability no we will not compromise we will maintain the legacy of the gospel and we will hand it down to generations if you believe it shout glory go ahead and celebrate as a handover to pastor chris this morning give the lord a shout 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 Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we give you praise. Sing and bless his name. Thank you. Give him praise. The glory of the Lord is the land. The power of the Lord is the land. The light of the gospel shines in dark places. We are men and soldiers in Christ. Check it again. The glory of the Lord Applause to what a word, what an atmosphere. 
And I want us to pray in tongues. There are things that were spoken by God's servants to our church, to you, to our ministries. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost about it. Just go ahead. Just pray. Hold someone's hand. We receive this in tongues. We receive this by the Spirit. Come on, go ahead. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, go ahead. Um, briefly um, a believer by nature is a giver and really you we don't or we shouldn't be should I use the word pumped up to give 
Let's open to Luke 8, where we see certain people. Luke chapter 8. It says concerning them, verse 3. It says, Joanna, the wife of Chuzariah, Stewart, Susanna, many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. They ministered unto Jesus of their substance. And one of the proof, or one of the ways we show how much we value our faith is in giving. You don't value beyond your giving. Because really, how, how is value measured in the world today is via you know, money and things that are valuable. So if I claim to you know, value the things of God, value the church of God, value the people of God, then it will show in how I give. So giving shows our value, proves our value you know, to the things of God. And the important thing to note is the needs of church are met by believers primarily. And so every one of us should always see ourselves as vessels to meet the needs of the church. All of us should see ourselves as vessels. And one of the things the scriptures emphasize is generosity. That means a believer ought to always be willing to give. The moment it becomes difficult for you to take out of your precious and valuables to give to the Lord, then, then they become a God. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 5, or 6 rather, let's go there. First Timothy 6, just, just remind us of these things I believe we know. First Timothy 6, of course it speaks particularly to the rich. It says, charge them that are rich in this world, I mean, they, have the, they have goods in this world. It says that they be not high-minded, not trusting on certain riches, but in the living God. It says, who give everything to enjoy it. It says that they do good, that they be rich in good works ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That means in my giving, I must always be living. I'll be sorry, willing. The moment I'm giving and I'm not doing it willingly, I'm just doing it grudgingly, just doing it so that they don't say I'm not giving, then you are not giving properly. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which I believe is an example every believer should always look at when it comes to giving of their resources. I'll say it again, church needs our money. It's good to talk about his money. It's not, it's not fruits now, not oranges or pineapples. You can sell those ones and bring the money. Amen. Hallelujah. So Corinthians 8, yet Paul speaks about the church in Macedonia and he gives, you know, one good adjective about them. Verse 1, what about them will do to with the grace of God, bestowed on the church of Macedonia. Verse 2, he says, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and he says they are deep poverty. So these people in the natural were poor, yet it didn't affect their generosity. So usually it's not is yet what to give matters is about number one the generosity, the willingness. And he says they are bounded unto the riches of their liberality. Verse three say for to their power I bear record, and beyond their power, he says they were willing of themselves. How did they show that? Verse four. Praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift. That means possible Paul and his partners. I said, Don't worry, guys, you guys have your own needs, nobody that giving, but said, No, you have to take it. And like when you call someone to come and eat, and you're not willing to give that person food to eat, yeah, come and eat and say, ah, Thank you, sir, thank you. Rather than you begging, come and eat now, I cooked it for you. But because you are not willing to share, the moment he says no at first call, you are very happy. But he says, They prayed with much entreaty that we should receive the gift. 
and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So the believer must always be willing and ready to give at every time from the resources he or she has. All of us here in one way or the other have you know, what we spend on, what we spend with. And that means we all have the capacity to give. If you say, okay, I don't have anything, all I have is money for this. Yet you have to give. In First Corinthians 16, Paul again, it's good to always test ourselves. First Corinthians 16. It says in verse 1, now concerning the of the saints, I've given order to churches of Galatia, even so do ye. But the first day of the week, let everyone of you leave by him in store. He says, as God has prospered you, that there be no gardens when I come. That means what you have ought to reflect in your giving. For some, um, their increase financially only reflects in their taste. It will change. Their appetite will change. Maybe they used to take shawarma before. They now take what now? They go to Chinese restaurants. Maybe they used to take um, ice lolly. They now be taking what now? What's, what's the in, in ice cream around? So their taste will change. The taste of their cars will change. Maybe they just they love uh, the what we call tokumba cars. But now I'm going to get by terrible. Wonderful, based on the fact that they have a, a pay rise around there. But really, if there's any sign, anything that should show that we have a change in our finances, is in our giving. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. So I believe we're ready to give you this morning. Hallelujah. And for those of us watching online also, I believe wherever we are, we can also give and give to. You know, the church account. So I believe at this time, let's bring out our monies where they are in our purses, our pockets, our jackets. And you can give by cash. And we are in a country where they are supporting cashless economy. That means you can also transfer to the church account. Hallelujah. So let's give at this time and let's give cheerfully. Amen. <laughs> 